Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to listen along to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. On this episode, we have Barbara. So Barbara, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Barbara Davis and I'm 67 years old. I can hardly believe it, but, and I've got four wonderful grown-up children, three sons and a daughter, three wonderful daughters-in-law, a lovely son-in-law, four grandchildren aged from 13 down to nine months and a fifth one during two weeks. I work part-time as a parish catechist and have done for 16 years. Again, I can't believe that 16 years have gone by so quickly. And I'm involved in preparing children and adults for reception into the church, preparing for the sacraments, baptism, confirmation, first communion, first reconciliation, and preparing families for baptisms. In another church, I'm also a church musician. I'm competent, but not great. But I love to sing at mass. And now I'm having to learn to play the organ since my husband died last year. That was his job, but I'm having to do that too. So, and I'm also a member of the Archdiocese Ecumenical Commission. And I help to run a charismatic prayer group. So, as you'll see, this is, I'm very similar to the person I'm going to be speaking about. So, to balance all of this activity off, I'm at the moment helping to trial a wonderful prayer course with some, some friends, including Natalie here, where I'm learning or trying to learn new ways of praying for me and being introduced to contemplative prayer. So that's that's the balance to all of that activity. And in the prayer group, by the way, we call any kind of housework or cooking marthering. And you'll see why in a bit. Shall I just stop there now? <laughs> I can't believe how you possibly fit all that into your very busy life. You've given us a strong hint as to who you've chosen. To, yes. So do you want to reveal who she is now, please? Yeah, it's, I've chosen Martha. So like I said, um, in the prayer group, we call any kind of housework or cooking or being busy at home, marthering. So I'm currently marthering a lot, getting ready for my first family holiday, where we hope to revisit some of the things we've missed during the lockdown period, including four children's birthday parties, Christmas dinner, which we weren't able to have together, and then a proper memorial for my husband who died in September. So that's a lot of cake making and cooking, a lot of marthering. I hope lots of people do some marthering for you and give you a chance to sit down. And... They will, they will. So during this time I've been marthering, I've also been reading and preparing, obviously, and finding out a bit about marthering. And two amazing coincidences have happened. So I discovered that the day we were going to record, which was today, was the feast day of Martha. I've also found out it's the feast day of her brother and sister too, which for the very first time ever, apparently. So it's Mary and Lazarus too. And then two days ago, a lovely Pentecostal friend of mine gave birth to her third child and she was keeping it a secret what she was going to name it. I told her about the podcast and she's called her Martha. So I'd just like to send her and her family blessings. I know she'd be listening to this and she couldn't have chosen a better name. So yeah, I've chosen Martha. So she, she appears, her name appears in three different passages in the New Testament. Most people are 
familiar with two of them. So who was she? She lived in Bethany, which was a couple of miles away from Jerusalem, just a short walk. And it seemed that she lived with her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus, and that they were really close friends of Jesus. And he was a regular visitor to their house. Obviously, it was on the way from Jerusalem to wherever else he was going, and that that would be like a second home to him. She's considered to be the patient saint of housekeepers, homemakers and cooks, and a whole long list of other occupations. The most recently added, would you believe, is the worshipful company of environmental cleaners. Um, and there are some stories about where Martha and Lazarus and Mary ended up, but she's claimed to have ended up in France at one point. There's also some arguments about her sister Mary as to whether that was the same person as, as Mary Magdalene, but I'm not going to talk about that either. So Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived together and were very, very good friends of Jesus. So she, she appears in three different passages, and the one that I'll probably speak about most is the first one in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. So anybody familiar with the Gospels knows about Martha. She's become a kind of stereotype of a bustling, fussy woman in high contrast with her sister, who's generally considered to be a bit more calm and peaceful, but often considered to be the more spiritual of the two uh, and therefore better. So my admiration of Martha won't, won't allow that. She's less spiritual than her sister. I'm not having that. And I hope she introduced her to you. So the most important thing about Martha, of course, is that she was a real person. She wasn't a stereotype. She wasn't a spiritual sort of prototype either. She was a real person. She was a woman and she was a close friend of Jesus. And for me, the fact that Jesus had close friends who were women, I just find that wonderful. Because most of the gospel stories are about Jesus and the apostles. And you could get the thought that it was a boys club, really. But, it, you know, Jesus was a real person, too, and um, or had a real human nature and had female friends. And so for Martha, being a real person, she'd got strengths and weaknesses. But she was also capable of change like the rest of us. And I'm hoping that I can point some of that out. The first gospel passage is, is in Luke chapter 12, and Jesus is visiting the house and he's speaking, presumably to other people too. And it tells us that Martha is busying herself preparing, probably food and other stuff. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus, Mary goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's leaving me to do all the work? Ask her to help me. And um, Jesus doesn't say, come on, Mary, get up, do a bit. He says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things, and yet only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. <laughs> uh, when I first read, when I first started reading that, I got so angry. Oh, it, it, it wound me up. It wound me up. Because, well, I'll tell you why. So this is before I really understood who Jesus was, I suppose. I was pretty violent towards Mary. Little Mary sitting there, I was pretty cross for Jesus too, for not supporting Martha and for making her look like the bad one when she's having to do everything on her own. And I could almost imagine the smug look on Mary's face as Jesus approves of her sitting down doing nothing while Mary's left with all the work. You can see it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You see, because I am identified with Martha very strongly uh, in my own life because I, I, I felt I was left with too much to do like pretty much every woman I know, I suppose, at home, at work, and even in church life. So you're trying to do everything the best you can. 
and something gives always you never you never do anything as well as you want to and there's always too much of it and not enough day left and nobody else seems to be as interested in doing it as you are let alone as good as you are so <laughs> i could identify with all this too yeah. yeah so what happens is you try and do it all and then you slowly without realizing it straight away become more and more resentful towards the people that you're actually trying to do it for. So for your husband, for your children, for your colleagues, for your friends, for people at church, you're trying to do everything for everybody and then blaming them (laughs) (laughs) that you can't get it done. And you resent them. And I've been really, as I've been reading this, I've been trying to think and have a good look at myself and think, am I like Martha? Was, Was Martha like me? Was she a perfectionist? Was she good? She was obviously good at managing the household and I probably really liked to think I was. Was she good at delegating? She must have had people to help her. Did, did she not let them do it? Um, and, and, and I realised that being a perfectionist, wanting everything perfect, comes from actually not feeling very secure in yourself so that you don't feel you can be accepted if, unless you're producing perfection. So there's Mary doing nothing, perfectly accepted by Jesus, just sitting down. Mm-hmm. And there's Martha, ooh, striving to be accepted, running around, doing everything. Um, so, yeah, I understand Martha and I had sympathy for her. But I didn't fully understand how complex this passage was and how complex Martha was. Um, I used to let my imagination go on a little bit as well. I used to think, okay, so Martha's learned now that she she shouldn't be doing all this. She should be sitting down. Right, next week, Jesus is coming again. This is not in the Gospels, by the way. Anybody listening that's just tuned in, this is my imagination. So the next week, Mary offers to get the meal ready. And Martha sits down at Jesus' feet with her arms folded, waiting for this sumptuous banquet. <laughs> and Mary caught, walks in calmly and puts some pitch of bread, olives and hummus on the table and says, come on, guys, help yourselves. And then she sits down to listen to Jesus. Mm. Well, Go on, sorry. I, I read something really interesting, that there's a theory that um, because Martha spoke to Jesus in that way, asking for him to tell people to help, that she must have been head of the household so that yeah. she was the first woman who was the head of the household which was welcome Christ. And when I read that, that just blew my mind. The first woman to welcome Christ into her home. That's lovely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, in the gospel, it doesn't say it was Lazarus's house. It says no. it refers to it as Martha's house. I think it's refers to it twice in, the, in two different accounts. And yet, presumably, Lazarus lives there. And obviously, hospitality in those times hmm. was a was an absolute virtue. You know, it's what you did to the expense of anything else. So I'm just thinking, like Mary's sitting there. Oh, if Martha's sitting there, Mary comes in, puts down this very simple meal, and it should be fine. But Martha's thinking, hmm, is that it? Is that the best you can do? And that's not good enough for Jesus because I think part of her she wants to be extravagant, and hmm. I think that's a virtue, but it's not. Um, she's not really got on top of it properly and I understood that and I think I'd elevated overwork as one of the cardinal virtues and what made me start to look at this differently was a little bible study we were doing 
during the that time when we were looking the God Who Speaks Act. And one of the passages was this was this one. It's leading it, so I should have known better, really. I encourage people to lay aside their previous thoughts and opinions and trust the Holy Spirit to show them something new in what they were reading. And I was very surprised when the line that jumped out at me, and it was really strong, only one thing is necessary, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. And I thought, taken away from her, taken away from me. Yeah, I was I was suddenly realized that what I do, what people do when they're running around and being active and doing everything as an act of service and a way of living out the faith, way of serving others, might not necessarily be the best way. And you can't do it or you can't guarantee being able to do it for the rest of your life. Sickness, injury, old age will cut you, cut you down at some point and you won't always be as useful as you are now. And what that does to your identity, you've got to deal with. And I realised that probably I'd be better putting some spade work in, learning to calm down a bit and become more contemplative. <laughs> it was a shock. And a couple of the people I shared it with, including a couple of nuns, were pretty shocked as well. <laughs> so uh, the second passage, which features Martha, is in John uh, chapter 10. And this is where her brother Lazarus has become sick and... Everybody knows this, I'm not going to tell it in great detail, but uh, Jesus finds out that Lazarus has become ill, his friend, and he delays making his way there, even though it's quite close to where he is. And he says, for the greater glory of God. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days, or it's the fourth day since he was buried. Mm. And Mary is in the house mourning, accompanied by lots of neighbours and friends. Martha is outside because she's heard that Jesus is on his way. And she basically greets him with, well, where were you? If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's that's the face she had. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But then she says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. There's some faith in Martha that is so strong that even though her brother's been dead for four days, whatever Jesus asks the father for he, he will have, it will happen. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And his Martha says, yes, I know he will at the resurrection. And then this sort of breath-stopping statement that Jesus makes to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And then this, as the story goes on, um, she calls Mary and Jesus goes and shouts out to Lazarus and Lazarus comes out of the tomb. So that's those are, the, those are what we're told in the gospel. So thinking about what does that tell us about Martha? What, why, is, why is that passage important for learning about Martha? And like you said, she's probably the older sister and, and very practical wasn't just she wasn't just waiting at table she spent time with jesus she's he was a constant visitor so she grew 
during the time when Jesus was visiting her house, she grew. She wasn't just waiting at the table. She wasn't just busy. She was with Jesus. She was forming a friendship and learning to know him. So that by the time this happens, she knows exactly who he is. She knows exactly what can be done if Jesus asks the Father. She knows her faith is, is so strong that when she... I mean, she's privileged. Jesus makes one of those I am statements, probably one of the most significant one because it's the week before his death. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. That, that's, she's in a privileged position. And she doesn't flinch and doesn't ask for clarification. She knows what he means. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. I mean, the only other time when you hear anything like that is when Peter says... What he understands Jesus is. And and when once he's replied, Jesus then elevates him to you know, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit has told you this, and on this rock I will build my church. And there is Martha doing something so similar, at, you know, the same magnitude. And it makes you think, you know, when you, you look around your local church, and in fact, probably every local church across the globe, you only got to see many, many women of, of faith. Mm. willing to work and serve like Martha did, extravagant in their giving like Martha was, extravagant in their support for their priests and pastors. And they're the rocks on which local churches are built. You know, the faith and the service go together. Um, So Martha's a real inspiration for anybody that's involved in in their church. Uh, And she's so privileged to have been the first person to hear Jesus say that, I am the resurrection and the life. And she she truly recognised and understood. Like you said, there was no there was no doubt, there was no questioning, or how could that possibly be? She responded immediately with, "I understand." Yes, I believe she had that profession of faith immediate in her response. So I can, to me, I can see, you know, she, okay, well, yeah, she, she was busy, she was over busy, she was fussy, everybody knows that about her. She's so much more than that. And she's changed. She changed. She might have started off like that because that was her natural personality. But, you know, one of the most important things in all these passages is where it says Jesus loved Martha. It says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But Martha's saying was first, if you're loved by Jesus, you got to change. You're going to develop yes. And if he loves you, he's not going to leave you where he finds you. And that's the, the lovely thing about the relationship between them. She can have a go at Jesus and say, you know, well, you know, tell my sister she's not doing enough. Or where were you? Even my brother wouldn't have died. And, and he equally can challenge her because yes. he wants he wants her to be perfect he loves her so much he, he sees the faith in her and he wants to change her and bring everything out of her and he wants us to be able to be open and speak to him in that way as well absolutely because because she was his friend and so she could have a just yeah. be honest with him and yeah. he wants our honesty when we speak to him too yeah and you know we're told that the Holy Spirit takes us from where we were, we were slaves or servants to where we can call God Father, and that we're friends. Mm. The Spirit of sonship, and she has that. And um, the, the final passage, and most people, and I didn't notice that Martha was mentioned in it. And it's in the next chapter of John, the week, or possibly the day before, but certainly in the week before the crucifixion. 
we're told that six days before the Passover, Jesus came again to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, where a dinner is being given for him. And Lazarus is at table with him. And Mary, no surprise, is at his feet. And she anoints his feet with costly perfume and wipes them with her hair. And Judas complains about the waste of money. And Jesus commends her for being aware of his impending burial. And what's Martha doing? It says, I gave a dinner for him. Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those at the table. It doesn't say that Martha was complaining. It simply says Martha served. And that's what she did best after all. Um, but to me, the very fact that she's in the background now serving mm. says a lot about where she's been and where she's come from and what who she is. Her serving at this point now it's a complete act of worship. Before, it might have been something a little bit with a bit more self in it, mm. wanting to be recognised, wanting to be accepted. She's accepted now. She's loved. She's had a privileged moment with Jesus. He's raised her brother from the dead. She can serve now. Wonderful. So I think you asked me, and John asked me, what yes. we got. Why is she relevant today? Oh, well, what she... can we learn from her today? Yeah. I know we've touched on this so many times yeah. already. I think, first of all, we need to know that Jesus loves us. He loved Martha. He loves us. And Martha served Jesus, but she also learned from him. So if the act, the active life and like, Mary, like Martha had and the contemplative life, which is what Mary was demonstrating, they're both ways to holiness, but they don't have to be mutually exclusive. We don't have to pick one over the other. What can we learn? What did Mary learn from her? come to think of it because I, I love to see Martha as somebody who gives and gives extravagantly so when she prepares to be this extravagance well at the end when Mary's anointing Jesus with these this ointment this that's an extravagant gesture and I like to think she learned that from her sister oh. you know what I mean be extravagant so we can learn that if we're going to give why not give extravagantly because you know God will never be outgiven You'll always, you always get back more than you give. So give extravagantly. Give money, give your time, give your space. Give extravagantly. It's great. But I think we also learned from Martha to have some balance. So if you're going to be a giver, whatever you're going to do, make sure that before you go out, you come in. So you do spend time with, you know, with Jesus in, in rest, in recuperation, in listening. So you've got something to share. The other thing I've learned is about hospitality. And you know, Martha, like he said before, opened up her house to Jesus, maybe the first woman that ever did that. Hospitality is a gift. It's not just a service, it's a gift. It, it, some people have a real gift for it. If you have a gift for it, people will flock and gravitate towards your home. And I think learn to recognise that that's a gift. And don't underestimate the power of it. People are changed when when they meet proper hospitality. I mean, thinking of Zacchaeus and that kind of thing, where Jesus was prepared to come into the home and eat with people, and people were changed. Um, the other thing that I think we can learn is when you find yourself really busy, check your motives and find out why you're doing it. Are you really serving others and doing it for the glory of God? Or is there something in you that needs recognition, that can't let go of control? Or are you avoiding a deeper intimacy that you're being called to, which can sometimes be a bit scary? 
So it's much easier to get, you know, bustling around and doing things rather than coming in and meeting God face to face. I know I've been running from it for a long time and I'm facing that now and it's, it's a real adventure. Do I know Jesus? Mary, Martha knew Jesus. She really knew him. She spent time with him, um, chatting, just being there probably, having a chat while she was chopping an onion. Who knows? We can pray all the time. Um, but spend time with Jesus, listen to him and grow in knowledge of him. Know who he is like she did. So you can say, I believe you are the Messiah. Don't let other things draw you away either. And even worse than that, don't be the person that draws other people away. You know, that was probably the low point of Martha's, of the story of Martha, where she actually was, it's ironic really, trying to get Jesus to tell Mary to not sit at his feet and do something less important. But she did move on from that. That's the wonderful thing about Martha. And also, are we prepared, like she was, to be corrected by Jesus? She, she took it on the chin, I think, um, and did change. Some people really don't like to change and don't like to be told off I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, there's, there's something really beautiful, though, that I'd like to add to all of this that shows something in Martha that could have been there at the beginning, I don't know, but you can't see any sign of it. Um, because she's the older sister, because she's busy, because she's capable, she comes. She might come across as a bit harsh. And I think, and I know this from personal experience, sisters living in the same household, they nearly always have some kind of competition between them. There's jealousies that run quite deep. And you can't help it sometimes. It's just there. And I think when Martha starts to get irritated with Mary sitting there, I don't think it's just... I think there's a little bit of jealousy. You know, Mary seems to be closer to Jesus at that point. And she might be jealous. But I also think that you know, Martha's changing all the time. And I think she's recognizing and desire to be closer to Jesus like Mary is. And, you know, she's got all this stuff still to do, but she doesn't want to do it anymore. So that, that's an irritation. And when Jesus says so many things are not necessary, I don't think he's just giving her advice about the menu. He's basically telling her, you know, we don't need all of this. We just need the one thing. And she's already started to recognize that, I think. So later on, when she's when she's serving, She's put resentments aside. But in the in the meantime, at, at the raising of Lazarus, when I said Martha had got this privileged position where Jesus was speaking to her about who he was, I am the resurrection and the life. And she knows he's going to raise Lazarus. She knows he is. She could have stayed there and let it be just for her. She could have been the only witness to that resurrection. And that she might have even thought, my turn now to be ultra-spiritual. Mary's still in there crying. But, you know, I'm going to see something wonderful. But she doesn't. I, I only saw this today, you know. She goes back to the house and it says, speaks to a sister in private. It's like a really tender sisterly moment where she says, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. But he doesn't say he's calling for her. Jesus hasn't mentioned Mary at all. But Martha goes back and brings a sister out of where she's been, you know, obviously crying and says, teacher wants you and brings her into this situation that she could have had all to herself. 
but they're sisters and it's their brother. So that Mary, and Mary, funnily enough, says the same, starts off saying the same. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But she doesn't say, but I know that whatever you ask, I don't think her faith is actually as strong as Martha's somehow. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before. She's not making a declaration about who Jesus is and what Jesus could do. But she knows that if Jesus had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But Mary's gone to get her as it's like a faith-building exercise. It's really, really beautiful the way she to, to bring her in because she must absolutely she she could see that Mary was Jesus' friend. She wanted Ooh. to know, but she didn't yet truly know who he was. So that's yeah. an inc- an incredible thing. Something we're all called to do absolutely for, for yeah. the people around yeah. us to bring them in to show them who Jesus really is. Yeah. So you know, at this point, there's no competition, there's no jealousy, but she's tenderly leading a sister into a life-changing encounter so that together they can experience this resurrection. And they're going to, of course, experience a greater resurrection within the week. So I think Martha's an absolute hero. She's a you know, she's a model of faith. Well, thank you for giving us such a full vision of who Martha really was. It was absolutely beautiful. I think one of the things I liked what you highlighted at the end was the fact that Martha was with Jesus in her work in the kitchen, just chatting to him and how we can, how we can do that in our lives. Some people think that you only can pray by sitting and contemplating, but there's always opportunity to keep our conversation with Jesus alive in the kitchen or in the car or what, no matter what we're doing, that's wonderful. And at the end of each podcast, I always try and like to recommend part of the gospel where you could find the woman. I think really, if we go to the gospel of John, I think it's chapter 11, was it 10 or 11, where we see um, Martha's response and her profession of faith in Jesus. Let us all emulate that faith and really trust and believe, knowing that if he goes to the Father, he can get us whatever we need. So thank you very, very much, Barbara. Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Natalie Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.